Hello, this is Gregory Novak. This is The Cunning of Geist, episode 31. Welcome back. Please follow my Facebook page at Cunning of Geist. And at the beginning of every episode, I'd like to restate our purpose here. And the purpose of this podcast is to cover ideas regarding mind, freedom, purpose, and right action with an emphasis on Hegelian philosophy. In this particular episode, I will be focusing on a major belief system that exists within our world today. It's a major worldview, and it's what I call scientism. You hear a lot about science today, particularly during the pandemic, which we've all been through. Um, you hear things such as, just follow the science, I believe in science, we believe in science, etc., However, I don't have a problem with science per se, but it seems that in today's world, science has morphed into something quite different, and it has a different meaning for for people today. Science should stand for a rational method of investigation to produce predictive models, Um, but somehow it has morphed into a belief system, um, more similar to a religion than, um, than hard science. And I would also say that it, it appears that this is the major worldview that dominates today. Um, it certainly is as strong as any, any religion. And, you know, you often hear debate about science versus religion. However, I believe that that's a lot more media spin than, than um, actually exists in reality. Most religious people around the world do believe in science and share the scientific worldview. And most scientists in their private life either have a faith or have no problem with those that that do have a faith. Now, of course, I know, I know there are exceptions. There are uh, the young earth creationists who believe the earth was created some 6,000 to 10,000 years ago with species intact. But I would estimate that that's um, a small percentage of the population, not not tiny, but perhaps 10 to 20 percent of the population max. And there's a lot of research that's been done to support that. And we've covered that in a previous episode. Just as an aside here, we I mentioned the pandemic. Um, there are many people that objected to wearing masks during the pandemic. And some say that these are all just science deniers, but I believe that's an exaggeration. Uh, Many of the people that refused to wear masks were making a statement about personal liberty. And um, they were also, uh, there was also confusing and changing guidance from the governments on masks and lockdowns, and that complicated the issue. I'm certainly all in favor of wearing masks, but what I'm just saying is every person that, that didn't want to wear a mask doesn't mean they're rejecting science. There was something else going on. Now, back to my point. I would say that the scientific worldview is strongly entrenched in well over half the world's population, probably two-thirds to upwards of um, 80% or so. So just what is the problem? Science has brought us so many good things. Um, The internet, uh, um, everything. Uh, Our lives are, are based on science so much. And that's one of the contributing factors to scientism. But let me explain what I think the problem is. In the course of becoming a dominant worldview, science has become more than an enterprise of investigation and, and predictions. As I said, it, it's become a religion in its own right to many. It, it used to hear the phrase, I believe in God. Now it has become, I believe in science. Notice the similarity. Well, what does this mean? The problem is when science morphs into scientism, a belief system, 
it can begin to exclude thought and experimentation that goes against the belief system, its worldview. Uh, just like a religion would exclude thought and, and, and habits that go against its core beliefs and behaviors, um, so, so does scientism. It becomes dogmatic. Scientism is a belief that we know what's going on, and with the stuff that we don't know, it's just a detail and will be filled in later under the same basic worldview. There's an expression used by religious people sometimes called God of the gaps, which um, if something's unknown, it's God's doing. Well, scientism has its own version of this. If something is unknown, now science will get to it eventually. But importantly, it'll get to it within the same worldview, the same belief system. So just what is this worldview? Let's take a look. I see three main components of the scientism worldview, and they're related. They are as follows. One, nature is mechanical. Two, nature has fixed laws. Three, there is no purpose inherent in nature. Now let's take a, a deeper look here. Biologist Rupert Sheldrake has an interesting quote regarding this. He states, I quote, As Terence McKenna observed, modern science is based on the principle, give us one free miracle and we'll explain the rest. The one free miracle is the appearance of all the mass and energy in the universe and all the laws that govern it in a single instance, instant from nothing. That pretty well sums it up. One miracle presumably at the Big Bang some 14 billion years ago, created all the mass, all the energy, and all the laws of nature, and the rest is just mechanics. Now, this mechanistic view has an important outcome. If all of nature is mechanical, then life itself must be mechanical. And if all of life is mechanical, then there's no inherent freedom. And I would say then that there's no inherent life in a mechanical universe. It is dead. Famed atheist Richard Dawkins expressed it well when he called us lumbering robots. It's worth it to quote him directly from his book, The Selfish Gene. Speaking of genes, Dawkins states, quote, Now they swarm in huge colonies, safe inside gigantic lumbering robots, sealed off from the outside world, communicating with it by torturous indirect routes, manipulating it by remote control. They are in you and me. They created us, body and mind, and their preservation is the ultimate rationale for our existence. They have come a long way, those replicators. Now they go by the name of genes, and we are their survival machines, end quote. Dawkins shows his cards here as he proclaims the holy grail of scientism. Again, just to state from there, they are in you and in me. They created us, body and mind. This sounds almost biblical. Now, according to this worldview, the genes themselves operate purely mechanically. The RNA and DNA have survived as replicators, as Dawkins calls them, and they evolve only through accidental random mutations, which allow for greater survivability. That's it. That's a pretty bleak picture, if you ask me, if that's all there is. But this is the worldview of a majority of people today. This is science. And the big question is, Given all that, is it possible that more is going on here uh, than just the, uh, this pretty limited worldview? I believe there is. And this is where the dogma of scientism comes in. It's not okay to think about these other ways, other possibilities. One must always stick to the hymn book of the mechanical selfish gene and the lumbering robot. A lot of potential research is not done because of this, and that's a shame. 
And creative thinkers like Rupert Sheldrake become outcasts. I quoted him earlier. Uh, In fact, the TED Talk of his was, in fact, banned. Now, according to scientism, we may think we have freedom and a mind and perceptions, but it's all just a mechanical process. Life is just a big mechanism, according to scientism. Now, what about the third area that we talked about, purpose? Well, given the fixed laws of nature, um, nature then is mechanical, hence there's no purpose. No purpose is known, no purpose is assumed. Purpose is a fantasy per scientism. Even the selfish gene does not have a purpose. It evolved by accident to be self-replicating, by accident. There's no purpose there. This is summed up nicely by um, Anthony Hopkins' character Robert Ford in the HBO television series Westworld. Quote, Evolution forged the entirety of sentient life on this planet using only one tool, the mistake, end quote. So scientism sees no purpose inherent in nature, just particles bouncing around and making new combinations according to fixed laws. I call this worldview of scientism naturalistic materialism. Today in the scientific community, if you don't worship at the altar of naturalistic materialism, you're considered a heretic and excommunicated. Um, And this is what happened to Sheldrake. Now, we talked about scientific paradigms before in one of the episodes. And um, what I'm saying is this naturalistic materialism is the current prevailing paradigm. We've also discussed previously how quantum physics has shown some anomalies in this worldview. But as, as of yet, it's not been abandoned. The current naturalistic materialism worldview has not been given up yet. Now, there are certainly some interesting questions that come up regarding this, uh, this paradigm, the current paradigm. The first is, as we discussed in episode 29, why is there something rather than nothing? Why is there a materialistic universe? If you deny purpose to it, you're saying like Bertrand Russell did, it just is. And that does not seem very satisfying. Now, nature doesn't have to be satisfying to us, of course, but we still have the Big Bang 14 billion years ago. And it is legitimate to ask why, how did this happen? And not just accept the one free miracle pass. And it's more than this. Um, It's not just uh, the question of why is there a universe with matter and energy, but also why these laws? And of course, there's no question here. Um, As I said, the the paradigm believes that all the laws of nature came into existence at the Big Bang. Who decided these laws? Where do they come from? So it is like this universe of matter and energy and laws just popped into existence. However, any approach to this problem other than the materialistic, deterministic one is outlawed by scientism. And there's even another problem beside the why is everything here and why these laws. And it is this. One needs life, consciousness, and rationality to come up with the scientific worldview paradigm in the first place. There's a presupposition here in the naturalistic materialism paradigm. And that is, there is needed a rational and conscious living mind to be there, to formulate this worldview. But, says scientism, the universe and its laws would exist without us. We are just mistakes, as Anthony Hopkins' character says. But not so fast. This mistake, this lumbering robot, has formulated a worldview about things which it believes is right and correct. 
Can I be right and correct if my views are formulated by a lumbering robot, a robot who's not designed for rationality and not even designed at all, but only exists through an unthinking accident, a mistake? Hmm. So, with this question, we come head-to-head with an age-old dilemma, mind versus matter. Now, I see two sides to this. On the one hand, you have naturalistic materialism, scientism, that nature is primary and underlies mind, and mind is only a survival mechanism of the robot that emerged from nature, versus Hegelianism. And I'm using Hegel here as a standard bearer, but of course there are many others that uh, support his, his view here. And that side believes that mind, rationality, and logic is primary and underlies all of nature. Now, although I have set it up as two camps, it's not really an either-or left-brain situation, at least not with Hegelianism. The Hegel camp sees the reality of both mind and nature. Um, It combines them into one entity, which Hegel calls spirit. Uh, This is very different from the materialistic view that mind is a an epiphenomenon of the body, that mind evolved only to help the robot stay alive and reproduce. Hegel combines mind and nature into spirit, where scientism only sees blind nature. Now, it's important to note here that both camps do believe in evolution. The Hegelian view is that the mind is fundamental to nature and is in fact driving evolution forward. And Hegelianism does not contradict Darwinian evolution. That's very important. I've said it before and I'm saying it again. It's not saying Darwinian evolution is wrong. It's saying it's all correct. However, it just is that there is more going on here. Whereas scientism denies that anything else more is going on. In Hegelianism, mind is the active ingredient in nature, purposefully moving things forward. Where in the materialistic camp, there is no active ingredient, only the blind laws of nature which were produced in the beginning and which produced self-replicating genes by accident, and the rest is history. Now, just a little bit more on the the selfish gene. Um, According to the materialist paradigm, the RNA molecule came first. It was the first to arrive on the scene, and this RNA molecule, through a genetic error, produced the ability to reproduce itself, to self-replicate. Where this self-replicating RNA came from and how it first formed is unknown. Some say that it could have come from meteors hitting the early Earth some 4 billion years ago. Others say it came from the primordial soup of the early Earth around the same time. The key thing here, and this is, um, this is something to pay attention to, um, that scientists have been unable to replicate this accident in the lab, which calls into question whether it could have evolved on its own spontaneously. This is the key. Now, if it came from a meteor, then that just pushes the question back further. Where did the meteor get it? It was formed on Earth, but cannot be replicated. It's then one of these one free pass things. Now, in the other worldview, Hegelianism, um, mind underlies nature. It does not require a free pass. Now, some call this panpsychism, that it is the view that all things have a mind-like quality to them. Is there any evidence for this? There seems to be support here in the strange world of quantum physics. First, there is the fact that a particle does not materialize until it is measured. So there is a link here between the manifestation of the particle and the measurement and measurer. We've discussed this several times in previous episodes. Secondly, 
there's the opinion that the wave-particle duality itself suggests some level of mindness in the electron, that it selects one alternative from the probability curve of the wave function on its own. And this second understanding is not some wild, crazy theory. But in fact, it was the belief of two major scientists of the 20th century, and probably many more. I speak of David Bohm and Freeman Dyson. Now, both believe that what we call randomness at the quantum level is due to a primordial level of mind and consciousness existing in every electron and every wave-particle duality. We talked a lot about David Bohm before here. Uh, but So let me first discuss Freeman Dyson. He was a British-American mathematical physicist who died last year at the age of 95. He joined the Institute for Advanced Study in Princeton in 1952. That's where Einstein ended up, and he stayed there until his retirement. While there, he worked on nuclear pulse propulsion as well as the construction of a safe nuclear reactor. And he has a number of mathematical concepts named after him, including the Dyson Sphere, the Dyson Operator, and the Dyson Tree. And he's won numerous scientific awards over the years. Let me quote Freeman Dyson. Quote, I think that consciousness is not just a passive epiphenomenon carried along by the chemical elements on our brains, but it is an active agent forcing the molecular com complexes to make choices between one quantum state and another. In other words, mind is already inherent in every electron, and the process of human consciousness differ only in degree, but not in kind, from the process of choice between quantum states, which we call chance, when they are made by an electron." End quote. He also has another interesting quote. This is um, from an article he wrote um, in the New York Review. Uh, quote, to me, to worship God means to recognize that mind and intelligence are woven into the fabric of our universe in a way that altogether surpasses our comprehension, end quote. So he, for one, clearly saw mind and consciousness as fundamental to nature and to matter. So did David Bohm. We've talked about him several times, as I've said. He is recognized as one of the leading theoretical physicists of the 20th century, he developed his own theory to explain quantum physics, known as the de Broglie-Bohm theory, um, also known as the pilot wave theory, which is one of the contenders to help explain quantum physics, which suggests that there may exist an underlying factor beneath the surface that drives what we see in the experiments of quantum physics. He was also very interested in Hegel, which we've discussed here before. But importantly, what I'm focusing on now is he developed a theory in which mind and matter are brought together. He writes, I quote, A similar mind-like quality of matter reveals itself strongly at the quantum level, in the sense that the form of the wave function manifests itself in the movements of the particles. End quote. So two of the best scientific minds of the 20th century embrace the notion that mind and nature are both central. Now I want to focus on one big aspect of naturalistic materialism, and that is Darwinian evolution. As I said, both the materialist paradigm and the Hegelian paradigm believe in evolution. It is just that for one it is blind and for the other it is purposeful. Now first, when I say purposeful, I must clarify this. The purposeful evolution I'm talking about no way contradicts anything of Darwinian evolution. We know that gene mutation and variability within species and natural selection leads to change. That is all well and good. However, the consciousness in humans plays a role in this natural selection as well. 
And the mind of humans has created so much more than blind natural selection would suggest. I mean, how much can a lumbering robot produce? Can a mindless robot create a great cathedral or a great symphony or work of art? Hegel showed how people can be moved by the spirit through art, religion, and philosophy. And this can impact selection, of course. So spirit goes beyond the four Fs, feeding, fighting, fleeing, and reproducing of uh, blind evolution. It, it brings in rationality, beauty, art, and a sense of purpose. But more importantly, or just as importantly, Hegelianism explains how life began here as well. It is a natural outgrowth of nature. There's no free pass here. Nature is, Im is embedded with mind from the get-go, and it evolves and continues to evolve to better know itself. We covered this in detail in episode 20 on Hegel's purpose of history. In Hegelianism, evolution and history have a purpose. Now, lastly, I also believe that scientism and blind Darwinian evolution have had a negative impact on our society at large. By taking mind out of the equation, we have taken purpose out of the equation, other than our individual whims and desires. Under the scientism paradigm, we find ourselves essentially lost here to make up what we want of ourselves with no overarching guide. Uh, and this is the biggest problem that I see today. It's the denial of mind and purpose and the embrace of blind scientism. Uh, we are either living, creating sentient creatures endowed with mind, or we are lumbering robots operating by pure emotivism with no overarching purpose. We discussed this in depth in episode 22. So I believe there is something inherent in life itself in mind that allows us to have real feelings and perceptions that are more than just the movement of blind neurons in the, in the brain. Now, to close, I, I want to quote Erwin Schrodinger, one of the early pioneers of quantum physics. Yes, and he is the Schrodinger of Schrodinger's cat fame. He says, quote, Living matter, while not eluding the laws of physics as established up to date, is likely to involve other laws of physics, hitherto unknown, which, however, once they have been revealed, will form just as integral a part of science as the former, end quote. So, the important thing here is to not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Let's not dismiss the scientific method. It may, in fact, uh, when pursued properly, find other laws of physics hitherto unknown, as Schrodinger says. Um, it's important for science to realize it's not a closed book in terms of the paradigm. And paradigms can and do change, as we've seen and discussed. There are certainly more discoveries to be had. Science is not a religion with dogmatic beliefs. It is a very effective, rational method for understanding our universe. And uh, to do this, it must keep an open and flexible mind as it seeks to better understand nature and mind and understand life itself. So that's it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. And it's important to note all references that I've stated here will be listed at the Cunning of Geist Facebook page. That's at Cunning of Geist on Facebook. I will list all, all the references if you want to follow up on them. So please tell your like-minded friends about this podcast if you think they would enjoy it. 
This is Gregory Novak. This is The Cunning of Geist. See you next time.